Okay. Good morning, afternoon, evening, whatever applies to you. As uh, Trouble learned today, there are actually different time zones in the world. So, you know, you know, for some people in Algiers, CET is not the same as CEST. But anyway, moving swiftly on, uh, I'm joined by three gorgeous people today. Um, I'll start with my old friend, my boy, Kasing, in the top right of your screen. And the reason I'm starting with Kasing yep. is because I actually had a dream the other day, Kasing. This is a true story, okay? This is about three nights ago. I had a dream. You weren't actually in it. Don't worry. It doesn't get too weird. But I was <laughs> back. <damn> it. <laughs> I was back in the 2015 H2K Gaming House during that time where, if you remember, we had like the Case King studio where we went to go scrim or whatever. And it was during the time when, when we went back, we didn't have internet apart from that like little dongle 5G thing, which basically you had to like top up, okay? Because it, for people who don't know, we qualified through the expansion tournament, which meant we literally had like two weeks to get to Berlin and set our shit up. So as people may know who live in Germany, Germany is notorious for, you know, slow internet. So we were living off this little fight, in fact, probably wasn't even 5g but there's probably like a 3g dongle thing which had like a three gigabyte limit on and we're all just there like on our phones like oh who's watching a video don't watch a fucking video oh no internet's gone thanks very much <laughs> top up so yeah i was having like well, it wasn't even a dream it was more of a nightmare there's like something really important that i had to do and then like someone used the internet i'm like fuck and then just had to top up again so yeah good times great dreams i'm glad that i've still got some residual psd from uh back in the day which i've now imparted back onto you so uh sleep well um i'm also joined of course by lpl uh, occasional uh, uh lec caster dagda fun fact because i wanted to look it up you know i do my research people dagda as you probably know but maybe no one else in the world does means what does it mean good gods in celtic which i thought was interesting but then i also thought does it mean good God in like terms of you are like a benevolent God, like you are a good God, or is it like good God, that guy stole my wife? <laughs> like, you know, so, kind of like how odd one name means, oh God, like which one is it? So the Dagda is actually like the Allfather God for like Irish mythology. Okay. Um, so that's where I got the name from. And it's not like he's a good person. It's just that like he is linked to like a lot of the stuff that would be considered good. Where it's like uh, the seasons, the like sun, the, like farming and all that kind of stuff. So like he's kind of considered like good in that way, but not necessarily a good person. <laughs> so I guess the question or the obvious follow up question to that is, do you consider yourself to be a god? Oh, I thought you were going to see a good person. I thought we were going to get real no, 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 I've gone all the way. I've gone all the way. Because, you know, the, hey, look. The real psychological question when someone names himself after a literal deity is to ask how they feel about that. Yeah, so uh, I have been humbled too many times by Twitch chat and Reddit to consider myself a god. <laughs> uh, but you see, the other name that I wanted to go for was actually, because um, I used to be called Ghost Who Dreams, um, and then I wanted to change away from that. Uh, and I wanted something that was linked to Ireland, and I initially wanted to go with Ahis, which means happiness, but I was warned that that sounds very close to some other names. Um, so I was like, I'm going to stay away from that. So yeah, Dagda was what I settled on thanks to my brother. So uh, it kind of kept the Irish Lincoln. That was that was kind of where I went from. There you go. Uh, and another non-deity has joined us today, which is, of course, Troublink, uh, LEC caster, NLC caster, and uh, NLC leading superfan, number one cheerleader, all of the above. Yep. 
Um, so yeah, basically for those who watched last time, obviously we covered EU Masters sort of beforehand. We did a overall preview and a rundown of the groups. Before we jump into the sort of like previewing the quarterfinals and how those are going to go, I do want to sort of quickly touch on the groups. But actually before that, I'm going to ask you all a rather holistic and I think, because we've got two casters here as well, appropriate would-you-rather question. All right, so my would-you-rather question, I'll start with you, Dagda. Would you rather lose your ability to speak or your ability to hear? Oh. I think... I think speak. Uh, because... As I just a, like to I point out that a caster is saying he'd like to lose his ability to speak, but carry on. <laughs> yeah <laughs> see the thing is uh, i wouldn't do very well probably without being able to hear my co-caster either so i feel like True, solo just cast, yeah. gone at that stage you know <laughs> um but yeah i realized as a person i like really like music i didn't really cop that until i was over in shanghai last year so i think not having music would be way more detrimental to my mental health than like learning sign language and other forms of communication Maybe sure. that's it. Maybe I just become the sign language caster. Oh, just, actually, you know? untapped, untapped yeah. area, and you'd be the first. So that's a gold mine, isn't it? Right. What about you, Kasing? Able to speak or not be able to hear? Blessing for your teammates, both probably. I'd imagine. Just saying. I mean, <laughs> the thing is, I really like hearing stuff. Right. It's kind of nice being able to listen to music, as Dagda had mentioned. Um, but actually, yeah, I think I'll have the same answer in terms of like being able to i guess not be able to not being able to speak just because i think i value being able to hear things more than speaking because honestly like me not being able to speak is a bit more different compared to i guess not being able to hear anything i believe i think it'll be just more annoying for me and my Georgia, quality of life what, what are you thinking uh, i'll be very annoying here and say that i would rather keep uh my speech rather than my hearing, because there's uh, sometimes you need to block things away. You wish you could block things away, but unfortunately you can. So I would like perma block everything away, but people wouldn't be able to get away from me talking to them since I'm like a huge chatter. So I could chat all I want. I wouldn't get any of the criticism. I wouldn't hear it. And I would just keep chatting my shit like all I want. Sounds like for you, it's almost an upgrade. You know, <laughs> superpower, just, you know, zone out all the shade and just keep chatting away yeah, exactly and just keep my mouth rolling <laughs> there you go all right to me personally I, the more i think about it i do kind of feel like the objective answer is like if you can't hear anymore you are just absolutely screwed whereas not being able to talk probably seems like a minor inconvenience but again you know i think george has given you life to the to the opposite you can just become the world's most annoying person but be completely <laughs> unaware that you're annoying which yeah sounds pretty good on the face of it but okay cool so let's go ahead and jump into the group recap from last time uh for those of you who don't know or don't even remember um basically well let's actually start with uh kasing's group and i want to start with you kasing obviously carmine corp and you guys qualified from your group, which was Group B. You had to play a tiebreaker to see who obviously got the number one seed as you both had the same record. Was there like yep. anything about this group that sort of surprised you? Like whether it you know, was a team underperforming, overperforming or whatever? Um, or did this group kind of go as you expected? Um, well, to be honest, like when we first saw this group, I think we were relatively happy. Because we felt that we can do well against both, not just Kamin Corp, but Gamer Legion as well, as the other opposing team. Um, obviously, even though, how do I say it? 
Phantasma tried their best, but obviously they nearly won even against us with their Zero Yumi, which is obviously, as you know, very, very strong if you just, I guess, play it wrong in some in, in, in the game and you give them kills. But anyway, regardless of that, it's just, in my mind, I thought that Kamen Corp will be second and us first. But obviously on a good day, that's kind of my expectation because we're doing, we actually had like quite good results in terms of scrims and all that stuff. But yeah, I think the first day or the first round robin or when we played against them was kind of my expectation but maybe not to the same extent of like you know going 30-0 and nearly just stomping k-corp to the point where they didn't even get a kill um but i felt that we were a better team provided we are playing correctly and just you know if we don't make mistakes we're gonna we're gonna win that's basically how i saw it but i didn't expect game illusion to be as what's the word i felt like they tried to play their style because when i watched their games it was pretty much you know they weren't particularly special in any area apart from, like, I, I want to say their bot lane because Jinjo, I think, is actually quite good. I think this guy, in my opinion, was one of the reasons why they even had a chance in most of the games. Um, and I believe that without Jinjo, I think they probably might have even lost the Phantasma, if I'm honest. I actually think Gamers Legion, they have a style where they basically just try your best guys to scale into the mid game and try to group and then out team fight. That was kind of like, I guess a budget version of us as well, because this is like how we also like to play the game, right? Except we will skill check you with, in my opinion, I guess a better quality roster because I think players like Haru and Tempt, for example, if I had to compare like mid jungle, I think X7's one is probably stronger by, by quite a lot. And this is kind of the way that I, I saw Game of Legion. I think they underperformed in my opinion. Um, but I don't know if this is just because maybe nerves, because I think it was their mid laner's first EU Masters, I believe. Um, but yeah, I think he... I, yeah, this, this is my opinion on the game of decision. I think Jacob was expected to be either first or second. Wait, no, wait, S-Kick's their mid, right? No, he was yeah. on uh, Illuminar, the, like, uh, the Zamalek, Chris, whatever lineup last Ah, okay. Cinnamon so, like, as well, I think. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, um, to me, when I watched this play, it just felt like he was really nervous. Like... There was a lot of weird stuff that he did when you rewatched the replay. Yeah, <laughs> fair enough. What about you, Trouble? What sort of stood out for you most about this group? Um, I think it was a pretty cookie cutter group, if I'm going to be honest. The fact that it was very dangerous, first of all, because you had Gamer Legion, who has made E-Masters Finals as well in the same group. And then you've got Kamen Corp, the back-to-back -back champions with arguably uh what they're referring to as an upgraded roster right with the names that they have in right now and also we're sending our first seed from the nlc which has literal world champion in it um and i felt like maybe it was a little bit unfair to game a legion and team phantasma to be slotted in with two literal giants i felt like it was super cookie cutter now whether x7 or kamiko were gonna take first seed i think it was 50 50 i'd say um I'd agree to Kasing. I think X7 on a good day, and we've seen them on a bunch of good days in the NLC. They don't lose to anyone. Um, I guess it wasn't a good second nah, week. And it was not. My call. <laughs> this was is definitely past, you know? not. I guess the only caveat to what you're saying is because obviously you have like as good an insight into NLC specifically as almost anyone. So a lot of the more sort of casual ERL viewers, maybe people who only watch LVP or LFL or whatever, maybe they just by default expect NLC teams to be bad, which obviously would be a bit weird because obviously historically they've made finals and so on. So like, you know, objectively that wouldn't really be the case historically. Only back-to-back -back finals versus KD. Yeah, 
Right, exactly. But I still feel like NLC doesn't really get given its props from like an expectation side of things, which is kind of weird, especially versus like a league like Prime League, where sure, like back in the day, Prime League was arguably at, in one season like the best DRL, but now to mip to my mind has actually fallen below NLC in terms of like how strong the teams are. But yeah, I, I still feel like there's this like residual thing where those teams like don't really get their props. Like, and as again, we spoke a, a, a bit about it on the last show, I think if, um, XL JDXL hadn't like imploded internally like off the rift that they'd have probably done pretty decently at EUM as well like I feel like they match up pretty well with most of these teams but yeah anyway cool so Dagda what do you what do you think about what do you think about this group how this group went um so to give everyone kind of context I'm trying to play catch up now because we're just coming off of LPL playoffs but um at least the games that I have seen like I was uh I'm probably kind of in the crew that you're talking about where I don't give NLC enough props um, and I was honestly, like, not even withstanding Kasing being here, I was actually really, like, delighted to see how well XL X7 played. And I think they really should have been able to take some of those games against Carmine Corp. And I'm, I would have been really interested to see, like, over the course of a best of five, like, if we kind of continued it out, like, what would have happened? Because um, I felt like they they were super, super close. Um, so I think it was, like, really cool to see how the lads performed against Carmine Corp. Uh, and even then, as you started to move on, I think from at least looking at Carmine Corp, I was kind of surprised at how um, how unwilling they seem to be, at least in their most recent series, to try and like play through side lanes. Because you look at like how Cabal Shard has been so good in the top side, but they tend to kind of do a similar thing to what I've seen from a lot of teams, which is just like group up and try and brute force fights and kind of just skill check people a lot of the times, um, which I think is kind of drawn out some of their games. But um, I think it's going to be super interesting kind of looking at Bodex 7 and Carmine Corp going forward. Because at least for me, like these guys are like top... I'd even say like top three, to be honest, for me, looking at the the way things are going. Um, and I think it's a bit unfortunate for Kasing that he's going up against LDLC in the first round, because I think it would have been super fun to see uh, what that was going to look like. Yeah, no, no, I think you make a good point. I mean, the, if we just jump straight to Group D now as well, which is obviously LDLC's group, I think one of the big sort of talking points coming in from the LFL was who is actually the best LFL team, because obviously you've got Carmine Corp, who on paper everyone would have said before the start of the season, or almost everyone would have said, like, that's the best roster. Um, you've then got, obviously, um, BDS Academy, who didn't, of course, make it out of groups. And then LDLC, who, it, to my mind, in a lot of people's mind, were actually pretty lucky to win the LFL finals coming in, and probably for most people weren't necessarily the strongest team, but they are actually the only team in the tournament that 6 0 their group, right? So. I'm going to start with you, Trouble. Like, what do you think of of uh, Group D, but also specifically like LDLC? Like, where would you sort of power rank them versus what you thought they might be coming in? Honestly, I'm looking at the roster right now, and let's say these guys are playing together for the first time. They've been a team for the first time, and they're going up against uh, literal huge teams like Measure Common Corp. Uh, there's like Crown Shot in BDS Academy. Vitality B have like four XLEC pros as well, and a super promising uh, rookie in the mid as well. And then you put in like a bunch of people together. To me, LDLC kind of reminds me of the Kame Corp of Spring 2021, where they're bringing in a bunch of talent, they're having them play together, and suddenly it just works. To me, LDLC had a breeze, and like I was looking at a bunch of the VODs um, from the 6 0, and I'm like, they're just outclassing from lane. They don't necessarily have to try hard for macro. They don't have to try hard for team fighting because they literally come out of the laning phase. Everyone is giga fed from the laning phase. And then they just go straight into team fights with more items, with more resources, and they just win. 
It's it's just that simple. So I'm actually looking forward to seeing LDLC being a little bit challenged by X7 to see what can they do when they're under pressure, when they don't come ahead in the landing phase, when they have to focus more uh, on their macro. Because so far, I feel like in the EU Masters, at least in group states, they haven't been challenged at all. Mm. I mean, Kasing, have you scrimmed like a, a healthy dose of like all of these French teams? Like if you were to sort of just say, based on what you've seen in terms of their actual comp games and also like your experiences, like how do you rate these French teams against each other? Who do you feel is like the strongest? Um, the thing is, we've scrimmed like a lot of, I guess, most of the teams that have played in the EU Masters in the LFL. And I think LDLC was like one of our main scrim partners before. But this was when I say before, it was probably like a while back before, obviously, EU Masters and everything. Um, but like, it always felt like against LDLC, either one team's gonna 3 whether it's us or them, or 5 0 or 4 0, whatever it is. Every day or every time we scrimmed against them, it was like, there is no you know, close games or whatever. It's just a stomp in early game. And how I see it is basically whichever team kind of has the better, I guess, mm, the way I see it is just mid-jungle support. If we play better than them in both me, Haru, and Tempt versus um, Yike, uh, Ika, and Dos, then that will decide the series. It doesn't really matter about top lane or AD carry, in my honest opinion. Obviously, Exekick is good. And, and I know that he's like a rookie that's like quite... Um, quite good like upcoming in terms of like actual talent but yeah i think this is actually what decides the series because they're quite similar to us if they don't play free bot they play free mid and yeah it's gonna be a skill check and i know that it will be a banger game because lfl teams love fighting and so do we which is why it's like it kind of sucks versus k-corp because i believe the second round robin we played so bad we made a lot of mistakes <laughs> but yeah you did fight though I yeah, at least, at, at least we fight, like, but we didn't fight on our terms, you know? We didn't fight on our, like, actual good turns to actually make something happen. But obviously, hopefully, we don't make the same mistake. See, for me, it's a bit interesting because with this team, because when I look at the lineup, <clears throat> like, Yike was, like, super promising, like, special, like, solo queue player and coming in, like, I was excited to see how good he would be. But then looking at the rest of the roster, there was nothing that, like, especially stood out to me of like oh I'm, i think this team will be one of the absolute best erl teams i think ragnar was like a very good uh prospect before he came onto the team but as you say like it feels like it's more about mid jungle support than it is about top lane um yeah. so yeah i'm i'm actually personally i'm very surprised by the fact that one they won lfl and two that they've gone six zero and and you know looking like pretty strong going into playoffs uh, Dagda, what, what's, what, looking at this group, what's sort of your biggest takeaway? We should mention as well, by the way, that Bisons, <clears throat> who were the LVP finalists, finished one and five and didn't make it out of groups. Like, what, what are your big yeah. takeaways from this group? Um, I'm kind of going to hit on your LDLC points a little bit more because, like, when I looked at this team, um, I was kind of similar to yourself, Rich, where I was kind of going, you know, there's not, like, massive names here that I'm kind of like, oh, this is going to be phenomenal. But I think the way that they play the game, it doesn't matter even if they aren't, like, the absolute best in each of their positions they're really really good understanding of like how they want to try and play through the early stages like i think this team is the best early vision control in the eu masters at the moment like almost every single time you watch their games it's like at least three people trying to get vision on the to spot out where the enemy jungle is it gives a bunch of uh, information to yike who i think is really good at using that information in the early stages um and then i think as well they're probably like the one of the teams that's the best at using like mid-game uh, wave management in side lanes because they'll oftentimes like push sides and then very quickly group mid and catch people off guard. So, um, I think it doesn't really matter overly much if you don't if you can't like if they aren't able to match a skill check because they kind of play in a way that doesn't really 
mean they have to skill check you because they're always trying to play with a numbers advantage. I think that's why they've been so successful. Um, and I think it's really going to be interesting to see, like, as they start to progress forward, how teams start to adapt to that. Because I think if you can start to play to deny that vision, and as uh, Kasing was saying, like, playing through a strongly jungle, having support there, like, I think that's going to be crucial to try and deny that information. And I think that's how you can actually, like, beat LDLC. But there are any certain teams I think would be good enough to be able to do that. Um, but yeah, I think kind of looking at the group overall, um, I mean, LDLC, obviously... I think by far and away, one of the top teams. I think UOL was kind of an interesting one to come into it as well. Um, I think their objective focus is like great for them, but I think the they're just not great at setting up for them. So I, I think when we get into the later stages of the game, I think like when you're looking at team fighters and stuff like that, I think they're going to get outpaced a bit when it comes to team fights. Um, but I think I'm still excited to see what UOL can kind of achieve at least kind of pushing forward because they seem to have a, a little bit of an easier side of the bracket at the moment. So... I think that'd be cool to see what they can do. And do you guys think that, you know, as I sort of suggested before, when it comes to Bisons, do you think this might have been like them falling victim to the thing that kind of made them successful? Like, especially in a BO1, like for those who don't know, they have a like kind of a reputation for sort of that 2015 UOL style of like all these really weird comfort cheesy picks that they kind of catch people off guard with. Do you think maybe that actually backfired when they sort of, played on the biggest stage i don't know who wants to take this one but i think it's worth you know mentioning bisons because as i said lvp which is i would say objectively the second strongest region although maybe nlc is pushing them for that due at the to moment. results uh well yeah but prior to eu masters and i guess based on an amalgam of perception and and what people how people would rate the regions historically and obviously they were the finalists and yeah they're one in five uh in this group and to be honest I don't feel like this was a group of death or something. I don't feel like UOL are some super hot team who, you know, should should have been a, an obvious candidate to get out along with LDLC. I feel like Bison should have been strongly considered the second best team in this region. Um, so, yeah, do, do any of you guys want to yeah, have theories I, on the Bison collapse? I personally think they kind of got caught between all the different picks they tried to play because, look, I'm from, like, LPL where we basically have, like, teams specialize in one style and they're really fucking good at that style um and then that's kind of why like every time a new meta comes up we kind of have a new team that rises to the top right um and i think that's what bison's kind of lacked here was that they didn't really have a style that they were particularly amazing at because they kept trying to work with all these like mad fan fantastical picks and you kind of see it a little bit with like the the ivor mid where i was like oh this is actually really cool and then i looked and i was like oh but we're still playing heavily around the ivor mid we're not actually playing to like focus on our bot lane where we've got this Kog'Maw and even then the Kog'Maw went like the AP build as well which I think if you're going to play like an Ivern like yeah. give him the tools as the on hit Kog'Maw to do his thing so it kind of felt like they had the like one or two plans that they were hoping would catch people out but when people were kind of like oh well if we just play standard these guys actually don't really know what they're supposed to do and we can just beat them through that anyway yeah it kind of feels as well i think backer mentioned it on the last show he said that he does feel they kind of did justify their place of being in the final but that they're like more suited to bo5 because of the massive range of things that they can do yeah. and if someone does beat you with like a, a sort of yeah quasi standard way of playing that they can just play something completely different the next game and the other team even if they want to play standard it has to be different standard right um but yeah okay cool and of course we need to talk about bifrost group um, because I'd obviously... like to double down on the Bisons there because oh, yeah. I feel like their win conditions are a double-edged sword. I feel like in a best of one, if you can cheese your opponent to the point where they don't expect it, think of um, 
think of Ivan Med, Renga Jungle. Um, if I'm not wrong, Eintracht played that. Renga Jungle, Ivan Med, and they had Soraka bot lane. And it was unbeatable. It was absolutely crazy. So if you can pull cheese like this with different, so many different picks that, for example, Gooby has on the bot lane, the Kamas, the Seraphims, the Sorakas, like everything, I feel like it works. But I think in an environment where you only have to play against three teams and these three teams are going to go deep into your vaults and read exactly the way you want to play the game and know exactly the kind of cheese you're going to throw against them. Like Dagda mentioned, if they play just classic, you know, textbook League of Legends, if you scale front to back goal late game, if you are the better team on paper, you're always going to win. So I don't know if this is more suited to a best of five because I feel like in a best of five, you can read it even more than you can when you cheese in just one game, right? Um, so I feel like their play style was their strength and their picks, but it was also their weakness. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's that's certainly fair. And, you know, if if people consider cheese to be a coin flip of sorts, I mean, we know which side the coin landed on at EUM, right? So, um, but yeah, okay, cool. So, yeah, looking at Group C, because I think this was by far the most surprising group, I guess, in a lot of different ways. Uh, obviously, Bifrost from the NLC came out uh, with a 5-1 and one record in first place. Fnatic Team Quazo, which is a lot of people's favourites to win the whole tournament, obviously were only finished in second. And then, of course, BDS, who I think most people would have had coming out of this group, along with Fnatic, didn't make it out at all, right? Um, and all respect to uh, ESCA, but I think they finished where most people expected. Um, so, yeah, starting with Yukasing, like, is, was there anything surprising about this group particularly? I mean, obviously, you're from the same region as Bifrost. Do you, do you think that Bifrost are actually a good team? I think the enemy teams really underrated Bifrost. They did not prepare properly because... When you see that team, well, because we know Bifrost quite well, because of you know us playing them in regular and because you lost them twice in the regular. <clears throat> <laughs> sorry, I'm sorry, I'm just gonna say, look at my draft, and, <laughs> and I'm not gonna say anything more. Okay, I'm just gonna say that anyway. Um, so when you see Bifrost, when I look at the team, I think of okay, in my opinion, their whole lanes are okay. I think Shikari maybe is a bit better than the average top laner, in my opinion. Um. But when I look at the rest of the players, I think, you know, I think that bot lane is probably the one that, in my opinion, was, I guess, a strong point of the team. When I see Audio 11 and Duel, I think, in my opinion, people kind of, I guess, didn't think that they would do much. But I think Audi is actually a really good hyper carry player. And because he plays hyper carry as well, you would think of three champions, Aphelios, Jinx, and maybe Zeri, right? These three free champions. There's not really other, any other hyper carries that you can pretty much pick unless there's actually, like, you know, like Vayne or something. Then it's, like, actual... Hyper hyper carry, right? But that requires scale and whatever. But the other three champions I just named actually can do something in the early game. So I just think people just gave Audi 11 Jinx, gave him even his Aphelios for some reason. And so we did as well. And uh, yeah, see how that turned out. But anyway, uh, but yeah, after we realized that, I think you just have to basically find the pinpoint. Oh, you have to pinpoint the, uh, the strong guy on the enemy team. Either you try to target him down and make him not as, I guess, comfortable on other champions. And I think not many teams expected that you know they just thought okay just pull him on jinx it's okay he'll do the same but i think a hyper carry will always know how to play hyper carries you know it's not just you know one champion thing and Wait, i think you guys banned three now that i remember three ad carries versus bifrost on the top bracket semi-final <laughs> ding 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 yeah, <laughs> how did we win <laughs> but yeah no basically our approach was pretty much we felt that this guy was really good at hyper carries but otherwise if he's not on hyper carry, then 
maybe he won't be as comfortable, right, to play. Maybe on Zion, MF, these champs that aren't exactly like, you know, 1v9 champs, they're just there for laning pressure. And I think the teams in um, te uh, Group C, I think, yeah, Group C, they, they, in my opinion, kind of took a different approach. They felt that they maybe could win the game, even despite giving him comfort champions, when I think Bifrost's win condition has always been a bot lane. Like their bot lane is the reason why they win a lot of games. And I think adding on to this, I think it's similar to, I guess, Bison's on why they collapse. I think it's fine to look for these kind of cheese picks and, you know, cheeky with Ivan Renger, blah, blah, blah. But I think when I think of Bison's, I think their best player, honestly, is random by far. And if you're putting him on Ivan, like, you're asking to lose. I would never ever, if I was a coach for that team, I mean, that's the last thing I would ever think of, no matter what. I would rather play standard. Because even though they may have their problems, right, there's a reason why they're picking cheese picks. They don't just do this before fun, you know? It's not like, oh, I'm going to wake up today and I'm going to play Ivan. Like, no. I think when you have this kind of roster, you want to, I guess, really emphasize your strongest player. And I think random was not really utilized in the group stage. With most of the drafts, it was kind of weird. I think if you want to play around mid, you know, pick champs like Java and Ara, you know, just play standard with mid jungle. Do, do, what, do what you want and let that guy carry you. Because I think that guy was by far the best mid laner in that group kind of reminded me of when Caps was like being put on Lissandra and stuff like at the start of playoffs and they were still like playing around mid and he's playing Lissandra and it's like eh, like I can see the logic but at the same time it's like put him on the OP shit and let him be Caps right like that yeah I feel like that's a better approach and with uh Odie I think it's really interesting because and I was kind of uh sort of guilty of this as well like I felt that when he was playing last season with Shayek that it really felt in a lot of games that Shayek was like 1v9ing those games and basically the sole and only win condition. But Odie was kind of like relatively silently doing his thing and then obviously shows up in the late game team fights on the super hyper carries. But I think a lot of teams had that same opinion that I had. And basically when they see his name on the team sheet, they don't really think twice about it. So the fact that you guys like dedicated bands to this guy, I don't really think that was on the agenda for anyone else. I think, oh, it's an NLC team. It's not even the team yep. that won NLC. Oh, it's that guy who got carried by Shayek the whole of last year, and yeah, I think that was kind of like the general the general perception of that. Um, but yeah, so in terms of like BDS Academy, do you have like an opinion on them from from playing them? Do you do you have a read on this team and why why there's because I mean they didn't like just miss out on a tiebreaker or something. They were two and four. The thing is, I think BDS like oh Academy in scrims they would play better. Like from what I saw. In the official games, it just felt like they were not proactive. I don't know what, what their jungler or mid duo was doing, because it felt like they were really AFK. I think the bot lane tried the best. I'm not here to flame them, obviously. I'm just saying what I saw. Um, but it just never felt like they were that proactive. I think if Crowny is put behind, that team doesn't do anything. And I think, you know, that other teams connecting Questo and Bifrost, they did that really, really well. You know, they they really abused that, that Crowny <laughs> quite hard. <laughs> And I know that Crowny is quite vocal based on their, like, from what you can see on their VODs and stuff, in, on YouTube and stuff. Like, he literally calls a lot of stuff. But, you know, if your most vocal member is put behind, I think it's quite hard to come back. And it's kind of a shame because I felt like, you know, as a team, they are good. Or they were, like, really, really good in scrims, for example, when we played against them. Just, it felt like in official games, it just didn't work out as they expected it to. I noticed that Fnatic really didn't care if they went like five bot, but like off tempo and about any prio, as long as they kill crown shot, even if jungle and mid come and clean up afterwards, they didn't give a fuck. They're like, that guy's dead. He's tilted as shit. And then now we're just going to peace off. They'll happily go one for three and they know the game's won. Like that's the, that's the, that's the ultimate. Um, what, what about you Dagda? What do you think about when you look at this group? Obviously we haven't touched 
on Fnatic as well, who obviously they did get through, but considering there are a lot of people's, you know, picks to win it all, including oh, I my was own. about to bash them, but I'll leave Dag Dag. <laughs> no, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> I'm always willing, always willing to have an interval to cut back to someone who wants to bash someone else. So please, Trouble, please. I was going to say, I feel like Fnatic have a very obvious way they want to play the game. It's like... Oh, no, we're cutting away again. Yeah. Clients, I don't want to hear uh, trouble giving away the strats <laughs> to how to beat them. So uh, we'll come We'll come back in a second, but hopefully what? everyone will... No, 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 no. <laughs> no, I'm joking, of course. Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. I feel like Fnatic have a very obvious the way they want to play the game, right? Get Oscarine in ahead. He plays all of the carries. He plays scaling carries as the gangplank as well. And then they just have him perma-shove in wave stop lane. They perma-die for him. Get Oscarine in ahead and we win. I feel like... This is a very one-sided way to play the game, especially when you have people in the bot lane like Bean and Rux. Like, the guy has been to Worlds with no prior experience of facing all these international bot laners, right? He did the team justice in literally like a day's notice uh, last year with Fnatic. And I feel like, if anything, he's one of the strongest AD carries in, in this European Masters, together possibly with, um, with Audi. And I feel a lot of the things when we talk about Bifrost, it's like... I think it's a reoccurring meme on the internet as well. If you don't beat Bifrost by 25, you've mm. lost. Yeah. You cannot beat Bifrost in team fights when they have their items. It's just so freaking difficult. And I think Fnatic underestimated that and Team BDS also underestimated that. And I don't think it's so much to do with, yes, yeah, shut down Crown Short and Team BDS is going to fall apart. I felt like other teams also allowed themselves to meet their win conditions because I felt like with Bifrost and BDS Academy, they didn't necessarily have to choke down BDS Academy, right? They were just, we're better at team fights. We're going to scale later on. We're going to have a Vega, Caitlyn, or whatever else, hyperscaling cards. We have AP and AD, and they just beat them in team fights, which is what they did. Yeah. No, I also think you, the point you made about, the, about being at Worlds is such a... Uh false narrative that people have built around that whole situation because obviously the prevailing thing that people remember is that obviously upset went home Fnatic bombed out in groups so people's instant memory that they go to is like oh well that substitute must have not played that well bean was mega in worlds like you can argue that the team wasn't really on the same page and that maybe he didn't fit as well and of course like missing upset and the guy you practice with forever is obviously gonna like have a detrimental effect no matter what but as an individual he did not look out of place at all on the world stage so like the idea that people don't assume this guy's gonna like pop off on like the erl level i think is absolutely nutty and it's really weird how people have kind of like forgotten or like misshapen that narrative because yeah no i think that's a, a great point but yeah sorry dagda um what, what do you think about or what, what was sort of your biggest takeaway from yeah. group c uh, well just to like round out the fanatic point i think the the biggest problem for well not problem i suppose for fanatic but i mean when i look at Oscarin, right um, i basically think of him like being or the shy from lpl he does not give a crap about where the enemy jungler is he's just going to push waves over and over again and kind of play for his own advantage but it does end up leaving himself overextended in a lot of situations or you know wave states in poor positions so especially like waves three four i've seen in a couple of games like he, he's in a position where he's super gankable and i think that's the biggest problem that um you're kind of seeing from Fnatic is that they have to play towards Askirin because of this play style. And look, it can definitely work. I mean, Bane went to World's Finals. The Shy is a world champion. Like, it's just that I think that's why they have to play that specific play style. And if you don't, you can see that, like, he ends up 0-6 on Nar, 0-3 on Gangplank, and he's trying to play to come back into the game, right? Um, so I think that's where I think Fnatic are super vulnerable. But honestly, I think, like, this, this um, group as a whole, I think, is the weakest going into 
to the quarters from what I've seen. And um, like even looking at Five Frost, I was looking going like there is no other team where I'd go, oh yeah, we're down 300 gold on average of 15. We have 33% first terror rate. We have 31% dragon rate and we're top of the group. Like that's not how any regular League of Legends goes. And look, you can say, hey, look, they're good at looking for picks. They're good at looking for team fights. But I genuinely think when you start to go up against like the NFL guys, you go up against guys like X7, I think you just don't have, you're, you can't play that game. These guys actually know how to team fight. They know how to, to play a map properly. And you then don't, aren't really in a position to try and play for this. So um, I think this team is definitely a, kind of propped up by by Odie. I think Odie's a beast. I think Duel is pretty good as well. Um, and I think the, the biggest thing that's kind of like keeping them going is like Seaboy is a fucking maniac. Like when I watched that guy in the early stages. Sometimes like, in a good and in a bad way. Yeah, he's just like, <laughs> screw cab, screw whatever. I'm just going to go and gank. Like, it's just insane. And I think it means that like, if you're not ready for that, it's got like, you're going to get caught out by it. Um, but he doesn't care where the enemy jungler is. He doesn't care what camps are up. He's just going to go and gank. And it's so different to see from him, like on Mako Esports, like even last bit, where I think he was a lot more of a, like an opportunistic guy, right? Like if it was there, he would go for it. He's gone like the complete opposite swing now, where he's just like, I don't care. I'm forcing this. So um, I think they've definitely got like an interesting style where if they, they could snowball incredibly hard if they wanted to, but it just feels like because they're so focused on like gangs, you don't actually get the objectives that you want. Then you're always seems to be playing from behind. And I think against like, once they start to reach these like upper echelons, that play style just isn't going to swing at anything. Uh, to me, it feels like obviously seen by Frost for an entire season, right? Uh, I'm not going to lie, I had teams rated above Bifrost um, at the very beginning of the NLC split. Obviously, Excel being one of them coming into it. But I felt like a lot of the times it feels that Seaboy is in his own bubble in two ways. One, that sometimes he feels so lonely playing the game. And two, he feels very forced to make the plays himself because of the way Bifrost likes to play the game, because they like the scaling picks, because they have a Vega mid lane that's been against the Rise, and the Rise has always priority, you know, because you want to play Gwen top lane, and you're playing against an Ignite top lane, so Gwen is going to be shoved in the whole time. Because you have Audit down the bottom, where it's like, I've got my Jinx, I've got my Aphelios, we can play 25 minutes when I have two and a half, three items, and then we can win team fights. And to me, it feels like Seaboy's a little bit lonely left on things like Volibear, Javan, and Lee Sin, who want to make plays in the early game, but then you have nobody to link up with to make these plays. So you're desperately looking for action, you're desperately looking for the openings, and a lot of the times you're going to be left alone, you're going to make the wrong choice, and you're going to look like, unfortunately, the Inter. But I feel like the drafts do not help Seaboy at all, especially when he's on early game ganking junglers. And a lot of the times it looks like he's looking for the picks, but like the team is not fully behind or Seaboy is not fully behind the team. But at some point, especially moving on to the quarterfinals, they're going to have to sync up the fact that, you know what, maybe we'll choose a more passive jungler as well. And maybe we'll just completely scale into the lake. And, you know, we go towards maybe something like the Viegor uh, that wants to get these Reese's. Maybe we allow them to run into us when we play the Vega and then we have the Viego uh, Reese's from the Jinx as well. I feel like sometimes Seaboy and the way that Bifrost play the game clash a little bit, especially in the early game where Bifrost... Um, Normal just wants to play very passive. Yeah, no, it's, I was going to say, yeah, he kind of, he's kind of like, uh, plays like Maorang without his teammates being on the same page as him. It's like, yeah, yeah. Maorang, if Maorang's not allowed to talk, which, you know, maybe Maorang doesn't talk that much because he's Korean, right? So who knows? But that's like, from a holistic standpoint, that's what it kind of looks like, where sometimes he'll like, just go it like with Maorang, he'll just like go in and you're like, uh, and then two seconds later, you're like, ah, and with C-Boy, <laughs> sometimes like, it's uh, and it's like, ah. Oh. 
But yeah, I mean, I, I would say I think so far in the UM he's been. I think he's actually been pretty good. Like I'm, I'm sort of happy for him in that as well. He he seems to play completely nerveless League of Legends. He's just like as you guys said, just sort of bombing forward and come what may. Um, I don't know how sustainable it is it, over a best of five, unless as Trouble said, like they find a way to kind of sync that up or maybe introduce some more sort of uh, in-between picks as well where he can play a slightly different style. But yeah, uh, it'll be interesting to see. Uh, but okay, cool. So the final group we haven't touched on yet, it's obviously group A. We're doing this in reverse order, I guess, uh, which was Vitality B and uh, obviously Ajo Rogue going through with, I guess, Eintracht Spandau trying to be sort of the team playing somewhat spoiler there. Um, and we had another uh, zero six from our bottom team, so I won't talk too much about them. But yeah, so I'll start with you, Dagda. In terms of this group, obviously, I think most people, well, yeah, most people have had Vitality and uh, AGO going through. Also worth noting, obviously, that AGO played EU Masters with a substitute player so obviously that might I would expect that to have some more ramifications going into the the playoffs perhaps because a lot of people also pick Rogue to win the group and I don't know if that pick was affected or would have been affected by the fact that they're now playing with a sub but they are through regardless so yeah Dagda what, what do you think about this group um yeah I still think I would have put Vitality B as the 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 winner coming out of this group and um, i just really like the way they play through um support jungle i think they're they're probably the one of the top teams that we have in eu masters of playing through this i think jack troll is really good at linking up with skeins um, and it makes things a lot easier for them to try and play it like this super scrappy style that they want to um, and especially when you've got like just really solid players i think trying to play in towards team fights works out quite well um and then this is a lot of these opinions though i will say for this group are like based on week one just because uh I was leading into LPL playoffs and haven't got a chance to go back and look at this. Um, but yeah, I think it just again, looking at like the, the ultra league of first seed for Ego rogue, I think their, their mid game is still pretty sloppy. And I think this was the same issue that we saw from them in summer 2020 when um, they had a really good roster that had like solid players. But I just think the way that they try to play their mid game, like they're not able to play through side lanes properly. They don't really set up for objectives particularly well. I think that's what leaves them overexposed. And against a team like Vitality B that are like good at team fighting, I think you're just going to be in trouble if you try and if you if you're not setting up correctly like that. What about you, Kasing? What do you think about uh, Vitality and AGO? Hmm. I kind of expected Vitality to be the one number one, just second one, uh, second place. I wasn't so sure because Rogue, obviously, of the substitution, I didn't really know how it would change stuff. But I think Lucker as an AD carry is really good. I think you could put him with any support and he will still be able to make him shine, or he will still be able to like actually perform really well. I mean, he's one of the AD carries that I think personally not many people talk about, um, but in my opinion, is actually really underrated. So. I kind of expected Rogue to get, to be like second, if anything, because I just felt like in Einfact, I I just never felt like when I looked at the roster that it makes me think, you know what, this roster is going to pop off, apart from Special, because obviously I've played with him in the past, and I know that he's kind of like a really good player when it comes to, I guess, official matches. Um, but yeah, I just felt like based on players, when I just look at the rosters and stuff, I felt that Vitality would be number one and Rogue would be number two. Obviously, Vitality played really well, right? It's Even though they came from play-ins. Um, I just know on paper those players are very good. 
Yeah, I think a big thing that a lot of fans don't really get or appreciate, maybe if they don't watch that much ERLs as well, is like, I think two players in this group, which are perfect examples of this, like Jack Troll and Special, it's like, you might be, and I'm not saying they were, but people might consider you to be like the 10th best in your role when you're in NLC. So like, oh my God, he's the worst support in the league. He sucks. And then they're really surprised to find out, wait, what? Jack Troll went one back-to-back -back LFL splits and was really good and played at E-Masters or whatever. It's like, these players can still be legit. Like, they might not be super well-rounded or, you know, people mainly know special for like, oh, that guy had a good TF but couldn't play anything else. It's like, there are levels to this. And, you know, obviously the ERLs are all coming up and the gap is closing and some ERL teams, I think, would actually make playoffs in NLs, uh, uh, LEC. But the point is, like, just because you're sort of, you know, trying to find your level or you're sort of, you know, hanging on a little bit in LEC, it doesn't mean you're a bad player, right? Like, it's... uh sort of yeah it, this is still very like high level stuff but yeah trouble what what did you think about these two groups and perhaps the bunch of shit that i might have just chatted yeah exactly so i wanted i'm gonna pick sing's brain uh right after the the group conclusion um also but i feel like even though vitality became through planes i see them as the strongest lfl team coming into the european masters and it has nothing to do with like 4x lec players i feel like Vitality B have showed the most solid pressure absorption in the early game. They have read every single early game from every single team they've played against. The warding was exceptional. The way they were soaking up pressure and ganks was absolutely exceptional as well. And they know exactly how to take that pressure that they had soaked to bleed it into a different lane and get the advantage from there whilst not losing from their weak side. I felt like that was so freaking impressive coming from a team that met, that came straight through from play-ins. But let's also not forget that Fnatic Rising made finals last year coming from play-ins. So a lot of times these extra games that you're playing against other teams that are trying for their lives to get into the EU Masters groups might be something advantageous for you. As for a go rogue, I felt like they could have probably topped their group, but they did a big mistake in my book like again fanatic rising did in their finals last year which is you run the same draft twice especially when it's like a, a particular draft like the renga ivan is like a very particular combo that only worked because they had the soraka bot lane because they had that extra pop-up heal and shield and sustain and due to the fact that it was read so well by vitality b and their when was taken away and then the soraka was banned away then the comp sort of lost its identity and it was just all a random Maranga, all a random um, Ivan. I think, especially against the LFL teams that are so good at reading you, you should never run the same qualities, but I'd be like niche draft um, against. Same again with Fnatic Rising and Kamek Corp in the last finals. And as for what you said about a lot of the players, you know, people think, oh, look at them. They played in the LEC and they were the 10th uh, right there. They weren't even that good. And now they're washed up because they're playing in the ERLs. I think playing in the ERLs and winning in the ERLs, after you've been in the, L in the LEC, is a, confidence, uh, is a confidence boost, but also helps you realize a lot of things that maybe you took for granted if you made LEC early, and then you're no longer there. This is where I want to pick your, your brain also, Kassing, right? Because you've been in the LEC, and now you've been in the ERLs with a bunch of teammates, with a bunch of different teams, some successful, some not. And I want to know, like, your growth as a person, as a player, you know, being there at the very beginning at the LEC and how you were thinking about the game and the teams and how you were playing, and are you growing through the person, the player that you are through the ERLs, right? Well, actually, I think that's a great question, Trouble. 
I can. <laughs> I always like to say I definitely am a different player compared to when I last was playing LEC. Just because I think the biggest change was mainly my mindset. Because in the LEC, I felt a bit complacent, I would say. Like, I think that's the best word I can use just because I felt like I was doing my job correctly. You know, I don't need to do anything else. You know, like, if I do this, this is what happens, blah, blah, blah. And I think this mainly came from, I guess, um, I felt like as long as I do this, then everything should be fine, right? Like, if I played, I don't know, my my role, like if I played an engagement, I'm like Leon or whatever, I don't ever think about where my teammates, maybe I didn't think about where my teammates were, I was just thinking about myself. If this is a good engage for myself. And I never really felt, you know, I thought that much about my teammates. I think that's the biggest difference for me anyway, whereas LEC is much more about you individually looking good so that you could, you could potentially, I guess, stay in for another split or for another year or whatever, right? Whereas in the ERL, I think the biggest determining factor that I've noticed in myself is just I thought more about what do my teammates need rather than what do I need to do? And I think ever since I made this kind of change to my mindset, it's like I'm thinking way more about what, what my teammates, um, how their matchups are, how, how it, my pick affects them, what I can do to help them in the game and be much more proactive in this case. And not to mention, it's like, I think I've learned a lot by myself, my weaknesses in general, just because obviously in LEC, when I rewatched some of the games even back then, I noticed myself playing a matchup wrong that I would, would not do to this day, you know? I'd be like, what is that guy doing? That guy is trolling. And that's myself, you know? So it's like, it's, it's kind of, mm, in a way, it's like a reality check, right? Because you start to realize, I guess, you know what? Like, I definitely was not a great player then. And, or not, not great, but like, I definitely could have done better. Is the better way of saying it, and I felt Would if you I be a had better teammate. I mean, bet being a better teammate has always been one of the, I guess, things that I always believed in. It was just more about my in-game play, about you know how does my in-game stuff relate to my teammates. You know, how would this affect them? I never really, I guess, capitalized on that. I just kind of assumed that this is how it should go in every case. In when I was in LEC. But I think in the ERL, something that I've also learned with obviously all the new teammates, or I say new, but all my ex-teammates that I've played with, including even now with Haru, I've kind of gotten like a, a lot of different approaches from like, not even approaches, but perspectives from my teammates that have kind of mm, allowed me to grow as a player. And I don't know, it's, it's kind of, mm, <laughs> I don't know what the word is, but it kind of make, makes me feel kind of like um, regretful in a way, because it's like, I wish I had known this, you know, before when I was playing in LEC so that maybe I wouldn't be where I am today if I had bit, I guess, had a better mindset towards not just myself, but towards my teammates. By the way, the whole, I'm doing my job, so it's fine. We call that the AD carry mindset for anyone who's unfamiliar. <laughs> I right click in team fights. That's my for job. For the janitor. <laughs> yeah, ex exactly. Listen, yeah. listen, mate, with leaving them down there all on the lonesome, getting dived two and three and 15 times back to back, not getting experience, not getting gold, not getting anything, having one item when the enemy mid laner has four. Listen, just give them, cut them some slack, okay? Just, just let them whine just a little bit. There we go. You're not even an AD carry main, so there you go. I'm not. I'm a mid laner, but like, I appreciate if somebody doesn't want to raid squid after they've been dived 50 times, okay? This is, this is some... Um, carry the game if she's the mid laner. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, oh, there's the ulterior motive. There it is. I was going to say, this is a, like, a level of empathy I've not experienced with a League of Legends player. Yeah, because I like... get the support in my lane, right? Yeah, it's like, so... what? like look, look at it from their perspective. Like, what are you talking about, their perspective? Like, this, I know there's 10 people on the server, but this is all about me. Like, what, what is going on here? It's crazy uh, i'm a good teammate okay there we go uh okay cool so let's swiftly move on then to previewing these quarterfinals and we're gonna start with uh mr raymond's 
Uh, I mean, this this has got to be... Yeah, this has got to be the... I mean, there's only two which would be competing for this, but this has got to be the best uh, quarterfinal, I'd say, which is LDLC versus X7. Um, and, yeah, one thing I wanted to ask uh, you about this, uh, Mr. Raimondo, before I sort of get your thoughts on the matchup or whatever... The last time you guys were in action, and I'm sure you have much more insight than any of us could by, you know, being outside, is all the way through the NLC season, Haru and Tempt, and, you know, especially Haru, I'd say, have been, like, absolute monsters, just, like, crazy good. And, you know, through EU Masters, for the most part, they've both been playing up to close to that level as well, I'd say. Apart from that tiebreaker game, where it seemed like they, like, I mean, it looks like you had two clones of Forgiven playing mid and jungle, like they were tilted off the face of the earth. Just like, that's what it looked like, right? But what was actually going on? Was it, what was, what, yeah, what happened basically? Like, how were they in game? Was it fine? And it was just, they went super aggro or what was the story? Because it looked interesting. The thing is, right, we knew in that game, the tiebreaker game, as soon as that early game mistake happened, where we basically died on top side, I think it was with the mouth fight. Was it the mouth fight game? Yeah. Yes. It was a Mafia game, right? Yes. Basically, okay, Smitty, or I say Smitty because even though his name is Jaeger, I still call him Smitty. Um, Smitty didn't call Temp to, like, to stay for one more wave, so basically he will get cover so he doesn't get dove. But after he died, then Top died, then everything else, everyone else died, and it was just like, that game was ruined. It doesn't matter what me or Nata do on bot because that game was basically a mid-jungle top game where if my counter pick gets killed and then doesn't, isn't able to lane after that, then the game is pretty much unplayable, right? Or if they're good, then obviously we shouldn't be able to play. So no one was really tilted. We were still laughing about, you know, just like Haru was just doing as usual. <laughs> you know, like I'll try to make a fight happen and blah, blah, blah. Because, you know, Koreans are very nice when it comes to like not being tilted. Because, you know, I don't think they're the type of people to, I guess, do what EU players do and just like completely mute. Don't say anything. Maybe go... Cut the Western <laughs> shit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> maybe do some breathing, heavy breathing, very, very specific. Um, but I think most of the time it was like, we knew, you know, even if it, if we had lost or whatever, we're still into the quarters, but we just tried our best, right? We were still enjoying the game. I think at one point we were just like, let's just try something. Let's just make something happen. Let's make some magic. But yeah, it, no one was still to just... Obviously, if Temp didn't get caught, maybe it might have been different, right? Very because close, yeah. because we, made, we still made them, I guess, sweat a lot. Because our composition wasn't exceptionally terrible even though we kind of played the same comp um twice except we just changed the top lane pick i think literally the last game against oh our game against k-cop the first time it was literally just with letting them go now nah, and we had another champion so i think it's fine honestly i never felt like we were at all tilted if anything so it yeah just... it's more just like trying to overcompensate on make big plays to get back into the game yeah, yeah. it's one of those desperate you know the yeah. desperate calls that you know, fuck but it. honestly, they're, you know, they're, they're I, behind. I don't think you see it enough because there's so many teams that they'll get like 5k gold up behind early and the lanes are all screwed up or whatever and they'll just kind of like slowly bleed out and do loads of Yeah, they just don't plays. do anything, literally. Like, yeah, Stay in the should... tower, hope enemies int, but... Yeah. And Haru, Haru <laughs> was losing playing everything. Jarvan, right? I think, yeah. in that game, which is a, is a champion you can kind of just yeet and just see like what happens, just like go full YOLO and see if you can like you get it. You might have yeeted a little bit too much in that A little game. bit too much. A little yeah, bit. Yeah, I mean, that kind of happens as well. Like I remember in like the, the LEC final when uh, 
Rogue were like, it, they were 2 0 down, and then it, they kind of played like they were tilted but wanted to play super aggro, and they get like 5k gold ahead, and then they're still just perma yeeting it because I think they were a bit tilted, and he was on Jarvan as well. But yeah, that was, uh, it's, it's, it's just like, it's Jarvan syndrome, right? That's just like Lee syndrome. As soon as you put that flag down, you gotta go, you just gotta go. Um, but yeah, cool. So in terms of this, this matchup specifically, like what I obviously you can't say too much. In fact, I'm going to start with trouble here to sort of, uh, take, take you off the spot a little bit. Like, what do you see as like the win conditions for both sides in this matchup trouble? Oh, it's going to have to come through mid jungle. I think, um, the problem here is that yes, um, DOS does like to play with Yike, but I feel like if we have Nataka Singh versus the bot lane as well. I think it's going to be a pretty easy matchup for us because the um, X7 bot lane is one of the most stable bot lanes that we have, at least in the early game. But the biggest power will come from shutting down Aika in the mid lane. And I feel like the way Tempt played in that second week of groups, I have never seen him play like this in the entirety of the NLC. Like, this guy went above and beyond so far. In the NLC, it was tempt complimenting whatever Haru wanted to play. If Haru wanted to play Hecarim, Temp would be like, fine, I'll just sit on Vex and engage with you in the backline. That's how it was. But this time I was like, I remember him looking at Azir and I'm like, man, why Azir? That's like such an insecure pick. And he just won V9s out of nowhere, literally from the entire early game. And then he picks the blank back to back. The last game looked doomed. Temp made it not look doomed towards the latter stage, apart from where he gets caught, literally. That LeBlanc did wonders. So I feel like if Tempt shows up the way he did in that second week and everyone else is just stable, I feel like Harrow and Tempt can do absolute wonders. Um, and of course, Kasing, I'm not going to mention you just because you're here, but I know how strong the, the support jungle duo is as well. I'm just going to say that the mid-jungle of X7, I believe, completely unbiased, is probably one of the strongest there is in this European Masters. Completely if unbiased, but she did refer to X7 as we and us, just just so we're yeah. just so we're NLC. <laughs> the, we you said I'm the biggest NLC fan, girl. It's yeah, us. true. Yeah, no, I, I I agree. And can I get a can I get a score prediction out of you, Trouble? Just because I'm casting it, I wanted to be a five game banger. Uh, it's gonna be. I'm not giving prediction. I'm not. Ah, you almost made it. I'm not giving. What's your? What's your? Do you have like a a, a history of cursing teams? Oh I'm, yeah. Oh, brilliant. Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. I who won't. do you think? Who do you think made JDXL lose to Riddle? Uh, okay. Oh, I won't. I won't. <laughs> that was me. I won't press anymore because yeah, that is a that is a banger actually. Uh, okay. How did they? How did they lose to Riddle? I still can't believe it to this day. I can't. I really can't. Richard, we're in a simulation. This is yeah. not real. Yeah. Like. I mean, as I as I said, I mean, I'm I'm not gonna be one. I'm saying you're laughing a little bit too much, mate. It, it's not real. It's not. Uh, I'm closing I'm, my eyes. I'm, <laughs> I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna be the one to leak anything. But as I said on the last show, let's just call it, or let's just put everything under the banner of extracurricular, and that's all you need to know. So oh. yeah, moving swiftly on, uh, Dagda, how do you how do you see this one going? Can I get yeah. another? prediction for x7 yeah so i did i did not predict x7 i'm keeping my okay, mouth clean okay, here okay so she's going for a draw in the best of five but what do yeah, you think yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, i think a large portion of this is going to come down to like 
mid draft. I think like setting up a strong mid laner that has push. Um, and I think a lot of this early game, especially with the way that LDLC play is going to be around like who, if you can get vision, because I think Haru, Bo Haru and Yike are like really good at tracking the opposition jungler and like being in a position where they can try and turn around. So I think a lot of this is actually going to come down to like vision denial and making sure that you kind of like play to that fog of war. Um, and I think the like taking away things like LeBlanc and these kind of things that actually make it a little bit easier in the early stage to like pop in, get some vision control down and like go in your merry way, I think are actually going to be pretty crucial. Um, so and I, I think the the biggest thing, um, and I know Kasing, uh, you were kind of talking about saying that you had like a bit of a, you weren't overly happy with the, the way week two went. I think the, the big difference maker for me in this is going to be like the mid game. I think both you guys are really, really good. But I think that LDLC have an edge in, I think, a better understanding of how they want to try and operate on the map. Um, especially when it comes to the mid-game, I think they've got good control of sidewaves and how they want to interact with each other. There were a couple of times watching you guys, and I kind of said it to you before the show started, where like it looked like Tempt was kind of going one direction and everyone else is going the other direction, right? And it's not it's just more of a communication thing. I also think, by the way, though, that these are like quite easy things to fix. So I don't think this is like anything that just completely cuts them out i just think that ldlc are already at a level that you guys kind of have to get to so personally i i would have loved this to be finals i think it'll be a three two but i think it'll go to ldlc but i could easily see x7 swing it i think this this is a really really close series and i'm not gonna get you to like talk about the tactics of the game because things i think that wouldn't really be fair but can i get <laughs> a, predi a prediction out of you i assume you're going for yourselves but what what score line are you gonna dish <sighs> i out? think three three one to x7 Okay, 3-1 to X7. There you have it. And by the way, uh, just as a general sort of more um, general point, there was a lot of talk sort of going into EU Masters about how the LFL teams like kind of looked weak early just based on like games in... Do, do you guys think that's kind of been expelled a bit so far in EU Masters? Do you think that was sort of, sort of like an overstated narrative where they can be exploited? Or do you think that maybe they've just improved up to this point? I guess particularly like Carmine Corp was like the cornerstone piece that people used to make this argument, but then they have basically a broad stroke applied it to actually most LFL teams don't don't really look like. Do you think that's a fair narrative? I mean, I guess I'll ask you, Kasin, because you've obviously scrimmed them. Do you feel like LFL teams aren't too hot early or do you not have that impression? Mm. I mean, the, the similarity that I saw every single LFL team do was just understanding how to do level 3-4. Uh, sorry, how to play level 3-4. I think this is one of their strong points, if anything. But when I say strong points, it's like they're kind of committing everything to that play level 3-4 with the jungler and mid and support. And if this doesn't go well, then of course they they do not look like they're in their best shape. But obviously, most of the time it does work out. And yeah, I think this is kind of the LFL strat, honestly. I think most of the time, when I watch them anyway, I think most games are decided literally by either this first fight for the mid bot control or... The first Herald fight, pretty much. But most of the time, it's before that. Cool. So, the second semi-final, uh, quarter-final, sorry, getting ahead of myself here, um, is the, our second NLC team, which is obviously Bifrost versus AGO Rogue. Now, I think, honestly, both teams, this might sound a little bit harsh on Bifrost, but kind of got lucky with this draw in a way, because it kind of <laughs> feels like perhaps two of the weaker teams like get to play each other in the quarterfinals maybe that is a, a bit harsh i mean uh uol is still in the draw let's face it so anyway uh i'm gonna jump straight to you dagda uh on this one how do you see this playing out by frost versus ago rogue 
Um, so I think the 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 big thing that we've seen from Bifrost is that they're very good at like playing from behind in the mid game. Um, they're really good at like playing around vision. Like they'll group up and look for picks. They'll uh, and I think that's kind of the biggest weakness that Ego Rogue actually has at the moment is like how they want to play the mid game. And I think their team fights as well can look pretty uncoordinated at times. So um, when you're looking at like the two big strengths for Bifrost of like, hey, we're going to be able to, to you know, slow the pace of the game down mid game, play against teams that are weaker in the mid game and their team fighting is exceptional. My biggest worry for Ego Rogue is that they just, even if they get a lead in the early stage, can't close it out before Bifrost are able to take team fights. Um, and I think that's going to be, again, what it kind of comes down to. And I think Bifrost kind of got lucky because, I mean, I said the same thing when we were talking about them in groups, right? I think there's top teams that will be able to punish the fact that they don't play for objectives, that they don't play for dragons, that they're super slow getting terrors and they end up like 300 gold behind at the 15-minute mark. But uh, I don't think Aegle Rogue is one of those teams that's actually able to punish them. And what about you, Trouble? How do you see this one going? Can I? Uh, well, I'm not going to get a prediction out of you, obviously, because it's another NLC team. But yeah, what do you what do you think about this one? Um, I think I will agree fully with Doug right here. Um, again, the reoccurring joke of if you haven't beaten Bifrost by 25 minutes, they will beat you 100%, especially in team fights. I feel like one thing that I'm going to give to Agorogue is the fact that they have the niche picks. They have showed them. So maybe that will play a big part on Bifrost's draft, right? Knowing that the Soraka is there, knowing that the Rengar is there, knowing that the Ivan is there, and how to count them. Because I felt like there was that game with the Rengar Gwen that scales so well into the late game, together with the Soraka Ivan, with the perma buffs and heals, where you want to go late game, and you want to play the team fights. And even though, yes, they don't play them or at least so far from what I've seen, as exceptional as Bifrost do on their champions in the front to back, they still have the chance of playing Bifrost's game. And maybe, maybe, you know, quarterfinals is the time where a lot of the teams will surprise you, same as we got surprised by Fnatic Rising last split. Um, mm. So yeah, I feel like, again, Bifrost need to find a few more avenues in the early game and not just play that one game that they know to do very well because it can be extremely exploitable in there. Yeah, I think that's a good point. I mean, it's when if you're like the identity of your team is we want to drag you late game, that is kind of inherently a risky strategy, right? Because obviously you're always working, you know, most of the time we would assume with a gold deficit if you've obviously yeah. gone late against early and over a best of five, how many times you get to actually play out that scenario is obviously up up for debate. Um what what do you think, Kasing? How do you how do you see this one? Mm. Personally, I think... Okay, I'm kind of stuck between two conundrums, right? Basically, I obviously want Bifrost to win just because of NLC. But the thing is, I also feel like Ego Rogue aren't exactly just, you know, a pushover team. I don't think they're as weak as people think just because technically they didn't... Or they didn't really have like a... It might be a really hard group apart from Vitality. I think when they played against Vitality, I think they even actually had a lead just... I didn't think they snowballed correctly. They just kind of took random fights and then died, and then now they've lost their lead. You know what I mean? It's just, they actually had the lead. That's why I'm a bit, like, not sure. Because I would like to say that I think Ego Rogue will probably win. Because I think they, in my opinion, as a team, showed more than what Bifrost has shown. Because Bifrost was like, yeah, they won their games and stuff, right? And it wasn't necessary because, I mean, especially against the BD BDS team, it was, it was them that they stole Nash, even though they should have lost, literally. Um... They I don't Nasher and Elder. 
Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Okay. It's not like don't get me wrong. I don't think Bifrost is necessarily weak either. Just when I think of these teams, two, uh, these two teams on paper, I don't think Rogue are the type of team to I guess make the same mistake as VDS. You know, they actually do control their vision quite well. They actually do play together. You know, especially if they're in jungle. And when I compare it to like Seaboy and Fury, from what I saw, when your jungle is zero three as the mid lane of Bifrost, I don't want to play that game. So I mean, that's just my opinion, right? Like. I would like to see more proactivity. If anything, when I say proactivity, it's more about um, Ego Rogue. I think if they played more of their support and like support mid jungle, I think they can actually take the series. But if they don't, then I think Bifrost will win. Just because if you're not able to snowball the game in the early game, when you have a better mid jungle, in my opinion, then you don't deserve to win. Yeah. I personally think it should be like free. I want to say free two to Ego Rogue because I don't think it will be as easy as. As you traitor. <laughs> but, but hey, usually when I predict stuff, it's usually the other way around, right? I'm a bit of a curse of myself. Ah, you so. do curse yourself too. Okay, perfect. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. But so for me... <laughs> the philosophical question is, if you know that and then bet with that in mind, does that double reverse the curse? We have to find out. He's backed we? up his opinion though very well, so... Yeah, that's that's that. true. I guess like to, to one of your points as well, like I think it was in the, the game where Rogue had a lead against uh, Vitality. The way yep. they lost it, if I remember, was like some really weird shit. Like yes, support get, get, getting caught on side lane. It's like, what are you it doing? It was so random. Like, <laughs> but, but to me, that does suggest that it's like, oh, you're playing with a sub support and he doesn't really know what he's meant yeah. to be doing or whatever. So that, I guess, is like the X factor because I think for most of us, I, yep, that's right. I'm just going to speak on behalf of all of you, even though you're all here to give your opinions. <laughs> I, I would imagine that Rogue would have been like most people's favorites if they were whole, like coming in. I, I guess that is kind of like an X factor um but yeah okay cool so let's go swiftly down to the second half of the bracket which is uh everyone's favorite ultra driven team carmine corp versus unicorns of love sexy edition um am i gonna get a clean sweep from you guys on predictions here do we all just think carmine corp's gonna take this relatively easy or what I'll start with you, Dagda. Is there, is there a reason to, to hope, if you're a UOL fan, why they might make this a series? Um, He's trying really hard. Yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to... So, like, I'm trying to, like, go through my notes to see, like, what I could even, like, pull from to be like, hey, look, I think this is the thing. Um, I mean, maybe you could get, like, some, some play from, like, uh, UOL into the mid lane, right? Because, like... I think they do play reasonably well around Ruby. The big, see, I think the biggest problem is uh, I already know Ruby. Like, Ruby used to be over in the LPL. He used to play in Rogue Warriors. He got, like, 16th and 13th when he was over in, like, 2020. And, like, he was kind of that big control mage player. And you're still seeing a lot of it. Like, the main is he was a big Zeer player. Um, and you're still seeing that a lot of the time. And I'm just not the biggest fan of, like, Azir and Victor in the meta at the moment. I think you need stuff that's much more proactive in the mid lane. Um, like, I much prefer things like the Rises, the LeBlancs, the Aries, even things like Syndra, I think do a lot more. Um, and I just don't... I don't think Ruby's as good on them. Uh, and I think if you're going to try and play around him as UOL, it doesn't really, like, lend itself into getting you more on the map, right? Because oftentimes Ruby could just kind of stick in his lane and then they try and play for, like later game team fights because they end up like because they end up getting a ton of pressure mid they always end up getting dragons and they try to use that as their like snowball condition but i just think against um carmine corp i think that becomes really difficult Um the only like upside i think is that ibo is like super super good in the top lane and i think you'll have a pretty okay time against cabal shard 
But I think it's when like the cavalry shows up for Cavalshire that's when it's going to be difficult for Ibo to try and try and succeed. So I don't know. It's just it feels like in so many different situations, Carmen Corp just had the edge, and unless like you will like sweep through mid and absolutely decimate the team fights with like dragon control, I just don't really see how they're able to do it. Yeah, I think the the Ruby points a really good one because I don't know about you guys, but I'm trying to remember the lot i'm sure there were a couple of world championships where it was like rise oriana every game but it's actually crazy how many leblanc versus ari games we've seen in eu masters it seems like basically unless one team decides they rather ban like they, they want to ban ari every single game is ari versus leblanc like it's it actually nuts yeah yeah the, uh, it will either be both unbanned or both banned yeah. uh at the same time because they're just both playmakers right and they don't necessarily lose to each other in lane i think it's a pretty good skill matchup i think if the leblanc is a good leblanc player will uh put a lot of pressure uh on the ari due to the favor of the matchup but i feel like you can go pretty even in lane and honestly when it comes to that particular quarterfinal i feel like saken has been playing out of his damn mine so far this european masters he's the only remaining og member of the starting carmichael but in spring 2021 and i feel like the way he's facilitated for 113 the way he always shadows him the way he always hovers with 113 the way he protects him the way he puts down vision for 113 it feels like i don't want to say the word babysit but it feels like this guy as the veteran in casey being in the team for like a year and a half right now and 113 joining he feels like he's a big helping hand to the rookie that just joined the team, if that makes sense. And with the way he's been playing around him as well, I feel like 113 is just allowed to shine. He's allowed to play his own game because Saken does the moves he does on the map, because of the wording, because of the having, because of the shadowing. Uh, so I feel like in terms of this particular quarterfinal, I think it's going to be a very quick 3-0 because the mid-jungle duo, their synergy and the way they play the game is just exceptional. I'm just going to throw out that from my perspective, I honestly think like 113 has absolutely sprinted down like three of these group games. I think he's been like really <laughs> coin flippy. I think when it worked, like the thing, I mean, it's kind of indicative of like Carmine Corp as a team though, right? It's like when Carmine Corp, when it when they sing, it's like beautiful music, right? And everyone's on board and 113 is popping off and syncing up really well with Saken. But it just feels like every now and then, I don't know when he like, emotes a little bit too much maybe he just gets a bit hyphy and like it got, i don't know there were a couple of games like especially in the second week where i felt like he was solo losing games for fun even games that they ended up winning i was like jesus christ dude like this is borderline match fixing but yeah i don't know what what do you think kissing what do you think about and by the way i wanted to ask you obviously an obvious question to ask you is um like about uh reckless obviously being back in uh well back in being in the erls like how do you feel that he compares like to other bot lanes that you played against do you feel like you feel a difference when you play against him or or do you feel like a lot like sort of the erl scene has um been lifted up so much that actually it's really not that much different than some of the other better erl bot lanes mm. <clears throat> i think the biggest difference is just when it comes to team fighting reckless will always be the best Team fighting AD carry I've played against. Just, oh, apart from Uzi, that guy is even better. But regardless of that, I think Reckless right now, like in his kind of form, uh, especially in the second week, actually, I think he actually played absolutely amazing. There were so many fights, it was it just felt really hard to actually play against him because he actually positioned really well. Even, I think, when he played Zaya, it just felt like he just predicted that, like two steps, not just one step, two steps ahead of what everyone would do. 
And I think if he keeps up this form, maybe he can actually do his thing, right? The usual, just let his team, I guess, help him scale. And hopefully he can, he can get even fights. And, you know, it's reckless. It's just a reckless show. But I've also seen, I guess, another side where because bot lane is a two-man lane and you, it's not like you have, I guess, LEC quality supports everywhere, right? It's just if you don't have the same kind of um, help or you're not on the same page as your support, it doesn't matter if you're reckless or, you know, a, a challenger player. If anything, you will not be able to play just because bot lane right now is all about being on the same page. And if you're not on the same page, it's really hard to play. And I felt that sometimes, even in our first match against them, it really felt like they were off or not or very desynced. And it doesn't matter if you're reckless or not, you you won't be able to play the game. And I think this is actually the biggest problem I think Reckless has. It's just, I don't feel like him and Hantera are necessarily a lane that, in my opinion, makes me think like of the same kind of uh, scale as like, let's say, upset Hillisang. Like the way when they were playing really well, you know, when I hear of this bot lane, I know what kind of bot lane I'm expecting to see, if anything. Whereas when I think of Reckless Hantera, I feel like it's kind of, how do I say it? I don't feel like I'm that scared of this thing. Sure. We lost to them twice, right, technically. But I think that was more due to a team a team 5v5 why we lost, not just the 2v2 they lost or anything. Obviously, we even died to them because we tried to do something different. But that... It, that uh, you least... did get 2v2. <laughs> yeah, but that yeah, is... That's what that... we call it. Trying to do something different. Yeah. <laughs> yes, um... but... I'm just saying. But anyway, obviously, I'm not here to flame them. I'm just here to say how it felt playing against Reckless. And I think in team fights he's still absolutely good just in lane it just needs a bit of work to be on the same page and i think he'll be more than fine if anything okay reckless good hunter bad we get it no i'm joking uh anyway can i get a reason from both of you and trouble just one possible win condition for uol i know that it's you know not the easiest thing to do as dagda displayed for us but can <laughs> can i get you both to give a possible win condition i mean i actually think uol are not as free win as people think i think their mid laner actually is really good i think this guy can carry really 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 hard on champions like syndra because i believe you know when you have a champ pool of like control mages right generally it's kind of champs that you want to be able to bring along as in you want to be able to include them into a play you don't you don't want to go to a side lane first before you're controlling because otherwise he's never going to move so I think actually UOL's playstyle, in my opinion, will, will be more about mid jungle. I don't think Ivo is going to be, how do I say it? I don't think he's going to be that much of a threat for Kabashad. I think Kabashad will do better than him in both team fights and laning. But the problem that I see right now is just Saken and Woman 3 being on the same page compared to Lurux and Ruby. I actually think if Woman 3 doesn't have a good game or Saken doesn't have a good game, I actually think UOL can take the series if they are actually in the um in their in their zone because i believe this this e masters has not always been about like oh this team on paper should win so therefore they should win the whole thing i think this e masters is actually quite close it all depends on how well the players perform on the day and literally i could say you know what maybe i think you might win it like three two three one because i don't believe like i know that obviously we lost the k Corp, but i know that they are strong on their good days but who's to say that on their next match that they're gonna have a good day so that's how I feel personally. I think UOL can actually make a difference and people will underestimate them in the same way that people underestimate Bifrost. Mm. So, yeah, I think, yeah, yeah, it's fair, I, yeah, I think it's fair to say that like K Corp is like a very good team, but they haven't earned everyone's trust that they'll always play like as a very good team, I guess would be like a way to put it. And what, what about you, Trouble? What's, what's the glimmer of hope that you can give to UOL fans? 
I'd like to give a shout out to my dad here because Ibo is his favorite player in the ERLs ever since the kick era when Ibo was playing uh, for kick like two years ago or something. Um, he was a huge fan of his Aatrox. He said that if this guy is not on Aatrox, uh, if he is, he's going to win nine. If he's not, his team is going to lose because he's the sole carry, apparently. Um, I've seen Ibo's highs and I believe that if they can manage to get Ibo ahead of Kaboshad and shut down Kaboshad, it could be the case that Ibo does snowball the game on picks like Aatrox, on picks like Na and things like this. Um, I think it's going to be extremely reliant on the solo laners and it has to be like very top heavy focused from UOL and very snowball different. Fair enough. Cool. I'm guessing you're all predicting 3-0. Maybe Kasing is thinking uh, something different. But um, are we getting the I brooms mean, I... out? Is it a sweep? <laughs> no, no. I'd like to say, I'll, I think Cal uh, Calming Corp will still win. Just, I think you will be able to take one game. I think okay. it'll be 3-1. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah. Cool. Now, swiftly moving on to, I guess, what I would say is like the other banger quarterfinal along with uh, LDLCX7, which is Vitality B versus Fnatic Team Quezo. Um, again, sort of two teams that a lot of people think could potentially win it all. Uh, I'm going to go to you first, Trouble. What What do you think about this one? Uh, I mean... This has like awesome matchups all over the shop, um, but yeah, how, how do you how do you see this one going? Okay, first of all, I believe this is probably like you mentioned the other quarterfinal that people could have expected to see as a final uh, later on in Emart. Since kind of sad to see one of the two teams sort of left behind uh, in the quarters. Now, when it comes to Fnatic DQ, I believe extremely much in the previous roster that they had. Of course, they had to go through. Uh, mid lane changes, Brighton Dayor, uh, Baka and Oscarinin. But I feel like their strengths remain the same, right? I felt like in the previous UM, they were playing a little bit towards the bot side of the map more, uh, towards being getting been ahead in that particular meta, but now they play extremely towards the top side. I feel, again, Fnat this Fnatic TQ is extremely exploitable. Their, their strat has been... Feed Oscarinin, put him on a late game scaling carry, get him ahead in the early, perma dive the enemy top laner and scale through the top side of the map, while Spin is an exceptional, exceptionally good weak side AD carry, and he will very rarely die. And he also has a bunch of the picks like the Lucian, the Ezreal, the Zaya, where he can stay like completely safe on the bot side of the map. Whereas if you look at Vitality B, I think he's one of the few teams that we have at European Masters that can play a bunch of different games. Like, especially the one where Jessica and Jackdraw played Ezreal Kama bot lane and they soaked the entire pressure from the map. They figured out exactly what the enemy jungle wants to do very early, positioned the words carefully, soaked all the pressure, uh, allowed Sigenda to scale later on because they had all the pressure bot and they keep on doing that. But they can do it vice versa, right? They can play towards the top side of the map. They can put Sigenda on something that can snowball early on and dive top side, but then they can dive bot side, but then they can play mid jungle as well. I feel like they're a multi-dimensional team. This is why I might be leaning a little bit more towards Vitality B on that one. But if Fnatic play the game, and a lot of the times, like Kasing said it as well, you know, like the French teams want to play level three and four, but if it fails and if you've read it and if you manage to snowball yourself instead, you can win. And this, these teams have already lost for a reason and you can see why they've lost. So it is exploitable. So as much as I feel like Fnatic play more of a one-dimensional style, it has definitely worked wonders for them uh, in the Super Yeah, I pretty much agree with everything that you just said, but I have the complete opposite conclusion, just because I feel like Fnatic <laughs> are kind of clueless 
like into how how to play different styles but because and this is maybe some copium uh, a little bit but because they play the last uh quarterfinal so they have in theory like the longest time to prepare or whatever i just feel like of all the teams in playoffs they have the worst understanding of the meta and they don't have or have yet to show like a plan b in eu masters so this is kind of like projecting or uh predicting i guess that something will change but i'm just kind of hoping that they're going to bring some new stuff to the table like by the time they actually get to play i think they've kind of been like just playing league of legends without it, it almost feels like they haven't sort of comprised a strategy at all it's like they built everything up to the apex being like winning the lvp finals and then after that they kind of just drifted into eum without like conferring almost right it's like they it's like they all got taken away and put in separate rooms and they weren't allowed to do or see anything and since the new patch came in i don't feel like they're playing like they understand the new patch to be honest at least compared to these other teams so i agree with everything that you said about how they've been playing in eu masters but again i'm just kind of hoping that because they have the most time to prepare of any of the teams as well that we'll see something a, a bit different but uh yeah Dagda what do you how do you see this one going I know you were very high on Vitality maybe suggested that even the best LFL team how how do you feel about this matchup uh so I I actually I think well to go on that I think LLC is the best um is the best LFL team that are in it at the moment I actually think this series is going to be insanely close and it's actually a series I'm really interested to watch because I think a huge amount of this comes down to mid jungle support um, and kind of the way that they're going to operate within that. Because I think Brooks has been really good at like working with... Ma I think Maxi's phenomenal at shadowing his lanes and like making sure they're all fine and then linking up with Rooks to try and play through Baka, right? And then I think that kind of like leaning into Oscarian can work out quite well. But I feel like it's almost the exact same story on the opposite side, right? Where you're looking at like, hey, we're going to look through to like kind of use the, the Jack Troll Skeens pressure to play through mid, then lean up towards Shigenda. And Shigenda can be a big carry as well. So I actually think that these two teams on, at least in my understanding of them, like feel like they play somewhat similarly. I think the big difference though is that at least when I've been watching Fnatic in week two, it feels like they've got an understanding of what they need to do in a big picture, but don't really know how to do it on the little micro scale, right? And there was a lot of times where I'd look at them and they'd go, okay, well, we're going to move and like, we have pushed mid, fantastic. Let's move bot side. We're going to go for this dive. It's going to go wonderful. And then you look at the bot lane wave and it's dead. And you're like, crap, what do we do? And then they kind of go for the dive anyway and it all falls apart. So I think that like, I've seen that a couple of times with from Fnatic where even where they go for invades, right? And yes, it looks good because you've got mid lane invade and that looks like it's going to be okay. But then you look at like, oh, well, your bot lane again hasn't really got the wave prepped. Suddenly they're invading and the opposition bot lane is able to respond and they all die. So I think the the biggest problem for Fnatic is actually getting the the micro managing like the the macro play to actually get it to set up properly and i think if they do that i think it could work out wonderful for them but i think on the reverse side vitality b already have that down like when i look at the way that they like invade into the jungle they get vision control they'll then play for picks with shigenda like they are very good at playing off the map pressure that they've already set up off their solo laners and i think that kind of gives them the edge there where i'm waiting for Fnatic to be able to do that fully um but it doesn't feel like uh, they have it at the same level that's vitality I, I feel like as well that Fnatic kind of like a lot of their players are underperforming compared to how they performed in LVP so far like Maxi I think was probably the best ERL player like period end of story based off like LVP performances and he's been fine like it's the same with Oscarian Oscarian has been uh you know was amazing in LVP and he's been fine in EUM but it is kind of like only fine I feel like Back is yeah. the only one on that team who's like 
just been super legit S tier so far. So I'm kind of waiting for that to come online. Sorry, you yeah. look like about to say something, Danka. Oh yeah, I actually want to go on that because I think Maxi gets hard done by um, because of the way that the map has been going. I think Maxi's actually been really good at like, at least again, this is coming from watching their week two VODs. Um, I think he's been really good at like the way he's situating the map to like try and protect people. But I think the biggest problem that he's having is that um, unfortunately for Eskiran, I think teams have found him out. I think when you look at like the way he tries to play the early levels, um, he like tries to go for third wave crashes against like junglers that can gank level two, level three, he gets caught out and suddenly he's like flash this and still trying to play hyper aggressive. Even was playing like in that gangplank game that he had, like burning his own flash level, whatever it was, two or three two, to try I and think, kill the yeah. graves. Yeah. And then he ends up dying to like two more ganks after. Right. So he kind of just plays four lane and like, as if no one else exists, exists in the game. And I think it ends up catching them out an awful lot of the times. And I don't think this is like a, I just think this is the thing that teams have now copped that Askiran does like to play, like always pushing, always playing aggressive. And now they're looking to exploit it, right? Because you look at the Orin game, I think he was 0 6. The, he was 0 3 in the Gangplank game, but they still managed to win. Um, I think it is just a case of like teams have kind of woken up to how they can play the early game against Askiran specifically. And I think if you got Shigenda against them, I think that's where it's even going to be just blown up even more because i think they can try and play through shigen and shigen can especially if he gets like a counter pick should just be able to take over the match hmm. i wanna i have a theory and i want to ask a thing about it as well so you obviously scream like all the other erl teams not necessarily anyone from the nlc right but i'm thinking that maybe just maybe in that particular meta specifically in the super league as fanatic were better at playing the game than anyone else in that particular league officially right and maybe maybe it's the same for the nlc and maybe it was the same for x7 right you told me yourself we had some happy games uh wherever we could we would just pick whatever we wanted to play you know we felt confident uh that in this particular league with the people we were playing against maybe we felt that we were superior we were better but against maybe other erls and other teams that we have screamed maybe we have to try harder playing against them. And maybe that's the case for Natic, right? Maybe domestically, they stomped everyone just because they were better at the game they wanted to play. Maybe because the team, the players were better than their oppositions every single time. But when it comes to playing against Europe and other ERLs, maybe you're not as superior as you thought. Um, <clears throat> I mean, it's kind of weird because I actually feel the competition and LVP, in my opinion, this year was actually quite weak. I never felt like... You know, even though you see Koi, you see Heretics, you see Giants, right? Even um, I just when I rewatched, like I think when I watched that games before, right? Obviously, um, I'm obviously coming from NLC, so it's not like I'm I have much right to say. You know what? That their league is weak. Mine but is you not. But you played but... in that league as well. Yeah, but that's the thing, right? That's when I watched them of how they won. It wasn't because they played exceptionally macro wise or whatever. It was just they were better players. Yeah. And in my opinion, it just felt like they were never really. It's similar to um, what's it called the Vitality Group, right? In my opinion, it didn't feel like they were challenged, and this is kind of why Fnatic Team Crystal were kind of kind of hyped a lot. Like, don't get me wrong, the players are are good in their team. Like, when you have Baka, you have you know Maxi Lol, for example, and even their bottling with Bean and Rux. It's like, I think on paper for sure it sounds like a strong roster for Spain, but for EU Masters, it's kind of different. It's not like oh, I I want I want to be able to win the entire E Masters now with that roster. I think it's really hard because I don't feel like they're particularly the best in every in their role or respectively in their role. When I think of their players, I don't think of that. Maybe Maxi, you could make an argument for, but that's 
mm. it's hard to say because I think, for example, in NLC with MNS, for example, I think he was a really, really good mid laner that's unfortunately not at EU Masters. But of course, shit happens, right? You can't always be the best player and win no matter what. So this is kind of like the same kind of concept with Fnatic Team Crystal, where in my opinion, they won a lot or they won the Superliga, but this is because they are just generally the better players in their role in that region. Whereas when it comes to EU Masters, I would say it's pretty hard to just win based on, um, I guess, objective skill alone. Not just not to mention there are other players that are potentially probably better, especially what you have Reckless on AD Gary in the, in the EU Masters. You know, I never thought I'd be saying this like a few years ago, but it to me just feels like when I matched them up, um, Vitality against Team uh, Fnatic, I don't feel like it's um, that hard to predict the outcome. I think Vitality will free in my opinion. Oof. And that's just my sweeping statement to end on what I'm going to say right now. Just, Damn. I don't I don't think Fnatic Team Crystal are that strong. Yeah, I think... But they I, can prove me wrong. Like, don't get I, me wrong. I, I hope think, you do. But. I think you made a good point about, like, they could have won LVP, like, purely based off, like, skill diff, potentially. I do think that that individually they do... I would say, like, mid-jungle especially. Like, I think... I'm not saying they are, but I think it could be possible, like, if I could look behind the Curtain of Oz, right? Like, they might be the best jungler and the best mid in the whole tournament. Like, I think that is possible. But um, I do agree that, like, it doesn't always just work that, you know, you put um you know good pieces together and especially against like the oh by the way the one caveat i should say is they did 2-0 bds technically right i think they won both games against bds who obviously were probably should have won lfl like they lost 3-2 in the final but they in my opinion they were actually the better team so i guess and also keep in mind because obviously Fnatic was sort of kind of underwhelming in groups but one of the games they lost they were 12,000 gold ahead and were just pissing around against uh forgive me but i can't i can't remember who the team was but the Bifrost. team was it Bifrost that they did that against then they did it twice didn't they i think they had massive gold leads in both the games they lost mm -hmm. and just were messing around so i would caveat that because as i said i might be wrong i think one only one of the games had a huge goal lead. regardless they did um they did beat uh bds 2-0 in their group i think so yeah who who knows but obviously yeah really really interesting one um so yeah just so, so kasing's taking vitality uh yep. what what did you uh, what did you come on down on one side trouble um i didn't give a prediction but i think it's going to be a 3-1 for vitality and dadga yeah 3-1 is vitality as well okay interesting cool and right the final thing before we leave you all here is i do want to get all of your predictions for who the overall winner is going to be. Obviously, for Kasing, I'll just get you to pick who the other finalists will be because, of course, you're going to be there. So, uh, yeah, and and also your MVP. So I'll start with you, Trouble. Who's going to win EU Masters and who's going to be the tournament MVP? Okay, I'm not going to say who's going to win it. I want the finals to be probably either Vitality B or KC versus another NLC team. I want to see the back-to-back-to-back the -back -back NLC versus LFL finals happening. I'm not going to say who because both Bifrost and X7 are on the same bracket, so it's it's a free-for-all at this point. Uh, but who's going to be the overall MVP of the entirety of EU Masters? That's going to be a hard one. <laughs> um... I had an idea, but with the second week of X7, I don't think if that's going to be the case. Um, don't, don't worry, he knows. <laughs> he knows he did not play optimally, but I think he's the type of guy that if he knows that he didn't play well, he's going to come back even stronger. That's all I'm okay, going to say. Okay, so I'm going to keep I'm going to keep Haru in brackets. 
Okay. Um, and I'm gonna I'm gonna have to say Saken here because he's been playing like an absolute maniac so far. And she knows that the entire French fan base will storm her down if uh, she doesn't <laughs> say Saken. What about you, uh, Dagger? What do you think? Uh, I genuinely think whoever wins between X7 and LDLC will win the tournament. Um, I think that is like that is the finals for me. Like basically, I think whoever takes that takes the tournament. I just don't see. Yeah, I mean, there's still the other LFL teams in there, but I don't think they kind of like the, the the LDLC for me is like a good bit away being the strongest team for me at least from what I've seen in EU Masters. Um, and I still think X7 like are going to give them a good run for the money. I think that's going to be a super close one. So whoever wins that, I think wins the tournament. Um, as for an MVP. Um, I feel like I again I haven't had a chance to watch every game in EU Masters, so mine is going to be probably a little bit biased. I'm probably going to miss stuff, but uh, for me, it's like Haru attempt. I think these two guys have been absolutely nuts. Um, or it'd be Yike from LDLC. That's a good um, shout. So yeah, so I think um, just because we already kind of hit on Haru attempt, I think I'll go Yike. I think he's just been nuts. I think his his early game jungle control is insane. Okay. And uh, yeah, Kasing, who's who's joining you in the finals? Um, I think K Cup will be the will Ooh, be the finals. Okay. okay. Again, I think this will be the best rematch in EU Master history because honestly, it will be such a big, it'll be such a big proud moment. But of course, that's that's if I make it right. Like guys, we could get. 3-0 in on the twenty eighth, <laughs> and whatever I said here does not validate because we lost. Blah blah blah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, I'd like to say K-Cop. And... and I'm casting, so he's gonna say that I cast it, so all good. Yeah, you have to ah. pick you have to pick an MVP that's not from your team. So from the losing finalist team, who's gonna who's gonna be who's gonna be MVP? You know what? I was actually gonna say uh what's it called? I was gonna say my jungler, Haru first, but if I can't choose from my own team, mm... It'll probably have to be either Saken or Reckless. Anyone of these two. Yeah, you can't say Harrow as well because if we pump him up too much, he's gonna be going in on all those EQs from now until the end of the tournament. So you've got to reel him in a little bit. Keep him, no, keep we're, him humble. We're banning Jarvan. He's not the kid. <laughs> <laughs> we're banning it from our own team. The classic <laughs> solo <laughs> queue. You see the hover and you just yeah, insta ban. What's the whole interview you got? What's in music? Sorry, sorry, sorry. My mum was asking if I wanted dinner. There you so. go. Uh, right, and I'm going to say that X7 are going to play Fnatic in the final. And... That's going to be a banger too. Yeah. You believe in Fnatic yeah. after that group? <laughs> well, if it's based on group, I don't pick Fnatic. But as I said, yeah. I'm I'm like running on max levels of copium that they're going to like go away into a little laboratory and come out with some, some banger stuff. So yeah, and as for MVP, ah, well, they never give it to supports, do they? So Kasing's out of the equation. Uh, oh, and yeah, I can't pick Haru. He's get. Uh, I'll say uh, the thing is as well. If it's my matchup, it's unlikely that it would be Maxi or Haru because they'll probably both win at least one game for each of each of their teams. So uh, I'll say Bean. Fuck. Screw it. I'll say Bean because they're just going to put the uh, X7 bot lane into the ground. No, I'm joking. But I, I reckon I'll, I'll, you know what? I will say, actually, I'm going to go out on a limb. I'm going to say Smitty J 
Fuck it. I'm going to say Smitty J. I'm going to say... Smitty? No, here's, here's the logic. Oh, here's the logic. Oh, Oh, yeah, sorry. I'm reading. It's... I don't see anyone called Smitty J. <laughs> He'll always be Smitty J to me. But Babe, I here's, here's the theory, right? The theory is, as uh, Dagda and the rest of you pointed out, they're going to go and try and target Oscorin in top lane. And he's going to be getting the last hits on the kills on the tower, isn't he? So he's going to get the bo the good box score and everyone's going to think he's the MVP. So that's my logic there. So there you go. You heard it here first. By the way, if that actually proves, if that comes true and I pick Smitty J to be the MVP of EU Masters, that's got to go down as one of the all-time great predictions. So yeah, screw it. Smitty J. Right. And uh, yeah, on that bombshell, uh, ta for now.